All right. Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing? Oh, come on. You can do better. How's everybody doing? Come on. Give me some love. Hey, I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them a question. Say, hey, are the Cincinnati Bengals going to get a victory today? Ask your neighbor that right now. So at this point, we're 0-10. The season's almost over. I say we just put in the towel and say, no more. Let's just get a first round, first draft pick next year. And uh, we're not here to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, but I am glad that you're here and you're in for a treat. It's going to be an awesome day. We're going to open up the Bible. And if you have a, a copy with you or on your phone, you can hop to Ephesians 3, chapter, or, uh, Ephesians 3 verse 10. That's where we're going to start. But before we begin, I want to just thank a few folks. Uh, Pastor Ben is performing a wedding of a couple who attended 4C and actually ended up moving out of state. And I just want to give gratitude and thanks to him and to Jill because, because uh, I came here as a 17, almost 18 year old and the ability uh, that Pastor Ben has and has begun to shape my life and encouragement with teaching, with leadership, with just an, uh, honestly a great friendship. I am so grateful for him and Jill and this church uh, is so blessed to have them as our pastors. And then also I got to just say, the band today, Adriana, Anthony, the team up here, and then also folks that you don't see. Uh, we've got sound, we've got video, people are able to watch online, they're able to listen to podcasts, and maybe you're tuning in today, and we want to welcome them. Also, we've got media where uh, we're going to look at the Bible, but it's going to be available on the screens. We also have lighting, and these are volunteers. These are men and women who've decided to give up their morning and be here at 6.55 this morning. And if, could you just help me thank them before we begin? Thanks all to our volunteers. I'm so grateful for our volunteers. It makes this church happen. And we're in the middle of a series in Ephesians. And I've got to tell you, it's, it's been incredible. Pastor Ben has just been delivering powerful sermon after powerful sermon. And I've got big holes to fill uh, but I'm going to say this, this passage is, is remarkable. I, there's no need for me to hype up the word. This is enough hype. I don't need to motivate us to open this. We believe that these words are, are God-inspired, are actually breathed. And as we read them out loud, we can literally hear the voice of God. And a few Sundays ago, Pastor Ben made a, a point, And he said this, and, it, and it's pretty stark. It says, apart from Christ... Apart from Christ, we are spiritually dead, disobedient, and doomed. That apart from Christ, we are completely doomed. We, each one of us today, are eternal creatures. And apart from Christ, we are forever doomed. We are disobedient, and we are spiritually dead. And what we're going to do today is open up the Word, and we believe the Bible there's some letters, there's some great teachings in here. And the grand theme of this is really that we would have a close and intimate relationship with God. So with that in mind, we're going to open up Ephesians 3. And, and you may know this, you may not. This may be your first Sunday and we're so glad you're here with us. But Ephesians, it's a letter that a guy named Paul is writing. And, and right now, he's as he's writing this, he's kind of in house arrest. So at night, he's shackled to a Roman guard. And you got to imagine as he's beginning to write this, he's writing to a church, but the words that he says as he's shackled to a guard are unbelievable. This is a man of great faith, a man that also, which is pretty wild, is, is during his Roman imprisonment, 
He was under house arrest, but also you see in the beginning of chapter three, he says this, for the reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, he knows that he is under the Roman guard, but ultimately he's a follower of Jesus. He's a follower of Jesus. And if he's going to be under Roman imprisonment, he's not going to really say that. He's going to say, look, I am actually Jesus's prisoner. And he has suffered a lot in his love for Christ. And I believe we're going to open up and soon and see one of the most breathtaking prayers in the entire Bible. So if you have it, we're going to begin at uh, uh, verse 10. Here we go. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Lean into this. A prayer for spiritual strength. Here we go. For this reason, this is Paul speaking, I bow my knees before the Father, with whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul's response. I therefore... A prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. What a powerful prayer. And I encourage you as you're reading this in your Bible and maybe in your message notes that you got on your way and you can pull those out, you can have them ready. I encourage you. This morning, you can begin to write, you can highlight, you can underline the Bible, you can underline the text. And I was blown away as I'm reading this. Paul, a man who's, who's imprisoned, saying these words, that's how he's going to speak to us. In 2019, we're going to begin to read and see an insight into that. I mentioned your message notes, and I want to offer you this. As followers of Jesus, through faith... We are granted access. Take your pen out, write. As followers of Jesus, through faith, we are granted access. Matthew 21, 22 says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. In high school, there was an awesome moment where I was given and granted an all-access pass. It was senior year of high school, and we were in Florida, and there's a guy on my basketball team. His father was a player for the Cincinnati Reds. And the team had an opportunity to be in Florida, and with the opportunity, the all-access pass, just a few of us, to go to the Boston Celtics versus the Miami Heat game. Growing up, I was just a huge NBA. If, if, if you're like, what is the NBA? It's the basketball players. 
and when they make a lot of money <laughs> and they become pro, that's the NBA. I had a chance to have that all access pass. And I have a photo I want to show you here of this all access pass. So there I am on the left, just a strapping young man, right? And right before the game, the man in the middle is a guy named Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce went to Kansas University, played basketball, he's a player for the Celtics. And this day we had all access pass. And all it was, we walked to the court and that last security guard saw this former Major League Baseball player and said, hey, if you're with him, you've got access to the court. And as the players were warming up and as they were getting ready, we had this all access pass as we talked to players, as we watched them shoot, as we had this pass to see everything that happens right on the court. And I didn't put this in my notes, but the cool part was uh, my friend and I, we tried to kind of take that all access pass to the next level. And what happened was we kind of, the game was starting and we sat down in our seats, which weren't our seats. This all access pass wasn't seats included. And we sat down and right to the right of us, I can remember it like it was yesterday, there was a sharpshooter for the Miami Heat, and his name was Ray Allen. And Ray Allen was just an incredible player, but this all-access pass had granted us seats right next to Ray Allen's mother. And so Ray Allen comes by, gives a hug to his mom, asks how she's doing, and we're just soaking it up. I mean, we're slapping him on the back. We're, you know, hey, Ray, we're, we're good. And this all-access pass granted us the ability to watch the game courtside, to see how the players interacted, to see what it meant to be on the court. And what I believe Paul is saying here to us is you have the opportunity, church. You have the opportunity, individuals. If you are with Christ, you have all access pass to this. And if I could just press in a little bit, I'm a fellow traveler here. I often forget. I come to church and I come and I participate, but I, I often forget as a believer in Christ. I, I don't often remember that I have an all access pass. And what he's saying here is, you don't just have access in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Matthew 8, 12 said this, and behold, a leper came to him, Jesus, and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You can. I have faith. I have all access paths. There's a small group that meets at our house on Wednesday evening. Some of the most incredible, awesome people. Shout out to my small group. We're in the book of Mark. And we're just in this passage where a lady who's been 12 years been bleeding. And she hears word that Jesus is preaching. And she hears word that he's sharing the good news in Capernaum and all around the area. And she had great faith, even though she was outcast. She had great faith. And said, I'm going to go to where Jesus is. And it says in Mark 5, 28, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Maybe this morning we need to be reminded that we have faith in him. We have the all access pass. Verse 14 blew my mind. We're going to unpack this a little bit today. It's so deep and it's so good. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. In your notes, I want you to write a word. I want you to write posture. We see Ezra fall to his knees, confessing his nation's sins in here. We see Stephen fall to his knees while being stoned, praying, Father, do not hold this sin against them. 
We see our Lord Jesus Christ very shortly before he's going to be murdered on his knees, praying his face to the ground. I think there's something to be learned about Paul's posture as he's writing to us. And Christians, there's something to be learned about our posture in light of a beautiful and awesome God. Prayer, in which 14 through 21 in Ephesians that you read, prayer is personal. Prayer is personal. It says in Psalm 37, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Christians, if you don't hear anything today, believers, those who are with us right in the room, have you ever fallen to your knees in prayer? Have you ever been to a point in your life where really there's nothing else left? There's really nothing left else in the tank. You thought you could take it with your own strength. You thought you could manage the job, the stress, the whatever with your own ability. And you realize maybe late at night, early in the morning, whatever moment it was, that I don't have the strength to make this happen. I'm a fellow traveler here this morning, y'all. I'm a fellow traveler. There's been a moment, maybe two, in my adult life where I tell you, I wish I had the strength. I wish I had the power within myself, to, the, the plan to make it all okay. But there's moments when my posture has to be on my knees in full surrender to the Father. And I love hearing stories of war and World War I and World War II. I just love history. And in battle, a lot of times, the form and act of surrender is to put up the white flag and to say, hey, I, the, the thing I was fighting for is no longer valid. Please save my life. And in prayer, it's personal. And in prayer, I think we need to be reminded, as Paul's telling us, that his posture, and you can imagine it, he's shackled to this guard. you got to think this guard is like, man, this guy at night is just always on his knees praying. But our posture is, can say a lot about our hearts. Because if I can be truthful, I think my plan is pretty good. I think my way and thing, the way I see life is pretty sufficient. And Christians, I want to ask you today, have you been on your knees in prayer? And there's not a proper way to pray. And there's not a way that tells us you have to pray this way. But have you been desperate enough in your walk with the Lord to be on your knees in prayer? There's a quote, Abraham Lincoln said this, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. Paul, what we're learning here is, is Paul has a posture of surrender. Paul has a posture of prayer. Our own strength, our own plan there's something about having a position of surrender before the Lord. And I got to ask, as, we, as, as we're reading this, I think I've just became convicted of, hey, you know, and as we unpack this passage and we're in Ephesians, am I, am I just satisfied? Am I fully satisfied? You know, I gave my life to the Lord and I, I do a few good things. And, but am I ultimately just satisfied and that's why I'm not on my knees in prayer. And Christians, I gotta ask you the same thing. Are you satisfied? 
Or maybe did you come this morning hungry? Not, hopefully you had breakfast on the way, but are you hungry to receive fresh and new life from the Lord this morning? Are you excited to learn more about how the Lord loves you? Are you excited? Or maybe you came in this morning like me sometimes and you, you felt a little, I don't know, you felt content. I'm, I'm, I'm on the train to heaven. I'm making it. I'm getting in. But man, my plan and my family, the sports, the thing, that's pretty important too. I've got to tell you, it's really, really hard to have both. It's really, really hard to be on your knees in full surrender with your heart open before the Lord, saying, God, use me, teach me, when you also have your own plan and your own thing that's competing with the Lord's plan. Something I love about my wife is she's more of a planner than I. So if we go on vacation, typically she has some things written down, some places we're going to go, some things we're going to see. I do vacation where I get the flight and then I'm done. <laughs> I'll pay the flight and I arrive and come on, party's on, let's see what... I'm not saying that a plan is a bad thing. But I am saying that a posture of surrender that Paul shows us in a posture of saying, the Lord, I'm surrendered to you. Your plans may change. Your surrender, your open heart, the Lord may start teaching you something a little new. And that's a scary thought. We're back in Ephesians 14. I want to start picking out a few words that just blew my mind as I'm reading this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. The word Father here. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. If you're, if you're message notes, I want you to write the word Father in that blank. Father, right there. I want to be super sensitive to this because even studies out today that many of us, uh, when we think and hear of the word Father, that doesn't bring up a good picture. We hear the word Father and it doesn't bring up something that excites us. We hear the word Father and maybe we think of someone who is absent, a father who wasn't around, a father maybe we never knew, a father we never met. And I got to encourage you, if you're with the Lord or not with the Lord, you have a good father. And the way we talk and think about our good father, ultimately our father is really crucial. And the truth is, the good father wants to do incredible things through you. The good father, who we believe in, who Paul is really talking to here, where the mystery of the gospel is revealed right here, that good father wants to do incredible things through you. And I got to tell you, I love sports, but the thing I love more about sports isn't just watching it. The thing I love about sports is being on the field, to be making the plays, to be throwing the ball, to be tackling, whatever it is. The good father wants to do incredible things through each and every one of us. But are we too satisfied this morning? Are we too content with the, the normal? Is everything kind of good? I want to talk to Christian husbands just for a moment and Christian men. And even those men who may become dads, it's not really just on that. There was a there was a guy, his name's Charles Francis Adams, in the 19th century uh, politician, pretty famous, and he kept a diary. And he kept a diary of just things that were happening. And each day he would log this. This is actually true. This isn't. And, um, and one day he entered, I went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. <laughs> his son, uh, Brooke Adams, also learned from his dad and also kept a diary. 
And it's actually in existence today. And on that same very day, Brooke Adams made this entry. He said, went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. You see the perspective? Fathers, men, Christian husbands, lean in with this. There's nothing more powerful than your kids, your wife, your spouse, your friends, seeing you in active surrender with the Lord. Having this book open right on the table, even if you don't know what it, under, what it means and all the, the things that surround the theology, all that stuff, men, Christian men, there's nothing more powerful in your home than this Bible open, your heart and surrender to the Lord. Spend time with your father. Spend time with your kids. Spend time talking about important things, talking about things that matter. Talking about how the Lord's working in your heart. Talking to your spouse. Talking to your friends. Say, hey, I've been on my knees. I've been at a posture of surrender. Oh man, there's nothing more powerful. And man, I, I'm not trying to hound you. I'm a fellow traveler here. It's so hard. Fantasy football is so enticing. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. <laughs> not. There's so many other things that are enticing and wanting my time. But fathers, I'm telling you. Spend time, spend time. Christian men, spend time with the Father. There's no wasted time when you open this word and you spend some time in it. Today as you walked in, um, we're going to kind of take a little uh, time out break. I've been up here going forward. We're going to take a little time out break. And here's the thing. You walked in this morning and there was a card that was given to you. And, and you can pull it out. I, I pray that you, you take this with you. If you didn't ha happen to receive one, we got more in the lobby. As you head out, ask a volunteer, hey, where can I get one? I want you to pull this out. Men, women, if you're in the room, this is for you. If you're a believer, not a believer, this is for you. There's a card and there's seven phrases and there's seven prayers that happen in the book of Ephesians. So the book of Ephesians, you can really read in about 25 minutes. It doesn't take a lot of time. I'm always looking for tools, for ways to begin to pray as opposed to, dear God, uh, thank you for the day, keep me safe, love you, and kind of sign off. This prayer card has a few ones. I want to read the top one. God, I thank you that you have already blessed me with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's Ephesians 1.3. God, I, I pray that you'd open my eyes to see the hope, the riches, and the power you have already lavished on me. The last one, God, help me submit to others out of reverence for Christ. I pray and hope that you take this with you, put it in your pocket, put it in your Bible, put it on the mirror, and pray this prayer each day this week. We're going to take a bold step later in the sermon. We don't want to just hear a message and be encouraged. We just want to take a step, and this is going to be one of them. So take this card, men, women, and pray it. Pray it over your family. Pray it this week. <clears throat> The good father wants to do incredible things through you. I've been on this father thing, and I told you I really liked kind of battles. And there was a the famous general, and I'm going to move on, but this, this really encouraged me. There's a famous general named uh, Douglas MacArthur, and he wrote this about spending time with the father and, and being a dad. And he said this, by profession, I am a soldier. Today, you may say, by profession, I am an engineer. By profession, I am a doctor. By profession, I am this. And I take pride in the fact, but I am prouder, infinitely prouder to be a father. A soldier destroys in order to build. A father only builds, never destroys. The one has the potentialities of death. The other embodies creation of life. And while the hordes of death are mighty, 
The battalions of life are mightier still. It is my hope that my son, when I am gone, will remember me not from the battle, but in the home, repeating with him our simple daily prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Paul saying it, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I want you to write the word power. It's in your message notes. There's a line. I want you to write the word power. Power. And I believe, you can, can you follow down there, that there is a link between prayer, faith, and an unleashing of God's power in your life. There is a link. There is a connection. There is a wire that is connected. That there's a link between prayer, faith, and unleashing of God's power that Paul wants us to realize that if we are in Christ, there is a linkage to this. So follow along right here. Number one, power supply. Number one, power supply. That comes from the riches of his glory. You read it, you saw it. The riches of his glory. Number two, the power distributor, the Holy Spirit. Number three, the power recipient, the power receiver at the end of the line is you. If you're in Christ, it's you. The riches of his glory, the Holy Spirit in act within your heart, moving and the power recipient, which is you. And we talked about prayer because in your Bible, in my version, verse 14, right above it, it just says prayer for spiritual strength. I believe this is one of the most captivating prayers in our entire Bible. Paul, chained to someone, saying this on his knees, open heart, open mind, saying, no matter what happens to me, God, I am so grateful for you. This kind of power strengthens you in your inner person. That's what my version says. The kind of strength that you will need to face the tribulations of this life. The inner soul strength. The inner soul strength to face the news from the doctor. The inner soul strength to face the outcome that doesn't look good. The inner soul strength to face the news financially where this, this amount of money isn't equaling up to this equation. The inner soul strength that Paul is saying that we have access to, that we have confidence, that if we are in Christ, we have that confidence and all access to that, that power supply. Whoa. If you're following along, lean in here, lean in. Don't miss this. If you've not heard anything, none of my stories, it doesn't matter. Lean in. Prayer grants access to the source of power. Prayer, humbly, on your knees, an act of surrender, a posture willing for God to work, worshiping and saying, God, you're so good and powerful, grants access to the source of power. Are you catching it? Is that, is that making sense? I mean, that according to the riches of his glory, that's the power supply, through his spirit, power distributor, in your inner being, like right in here, right in your soul portion of your body. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Come on, come on, Christians, don't miss this. Let's write another phrase, it's purpose. I want you to write that down, it's purpose. And, and what's cool here is... Um, there was an inner man 
just as real as our physical body. We all understand the importance of strength in our physical body, but many are exceedingly weak in the inner man, in the inner being part, in the inner purpose. And this purpose, in your next phrase, it gets personal. It's you. God designed you. And maybe you came with someone next to you, but their purpose is on this earth is completely different than your purpose, possibly. It's personal. So that, verse 17, gosh, this is so good. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Here's the truth. Follow along with the message notes. There is something in us that resists the influence of the indwelling Jesus. Christians today, are, are you resisting? There's something in us, 2019, our church, you right now, everybody in this room, I believe. There's something naturally ingrained in us that resists the influence of the indwelling Jesus. Here's the truth. And what this passage is saying is Jesus wants to come into your heart. He wants to dwell in your heart and he wants to get super cozy. Like he wants to get super cozy, but how often I'm a fellow traveler. How often do we do this? God, man, I pray you show up today. I pray that you work with my family. Jesus name we pray. Amen. Boom. I'm off to work. And that indwelling Jesus that wants to get cozy and warm inside my heart, inside my inner being, the power supply, the distributor, the recipient who's me, he's not getting cozy with that kind of heart and attitude. So three years ago, my wife and I, we went from a suburb of Cincinnati called Norwood. Norwood's actually not part of Cincinnati. They're kind of, you know, we love Norwood. I feel like if you talk to a few people, uh, everybody kind of is from Norwood in some way. They either went to school there, they lived there. But we were in Norwood, and we moved three years ago just north to a suburb called Pleasant Ridge. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, 45213 zip code. I mean, it is that cool. And I love Pleasant Ridge. And we bought a house that's about 100 years old. A lot of charm whole lot of problems, right? Isn't that kind of how it works? Whole lot of charm. My wife's happy. We got this old home. Yay, yay, yay. A lot of work. But when we bought that house, we signed the papers. We got everything set. We began to set up residence in our 100-year home. We slept there. Man, I remember that first night. Everything was just crazy. The carpet was red. The Oh, dude, it was bad. But we set up residence in our home in Pleasant Ridge. And over the past three years, slowly, slowly, we've been able to start to renovate some rooms. The room that we were in last night, our, uh, our main bedroom, right across the hall is our son, Landon. That room has fresh paint, fresh lights, fresh fan. Uh, there's a new rug in there. And downstairs, we've been able to start to renovate our kitchen. And that residence has started to really become our home. But... Dude, we really needed to fix the, uh, the kitchen because it was, it, was, it was pretty bad. And we really needed to fix the downstairs bathroom. It was pretty bad. And we really needed to start to renovate. And you already know kind of where I'm going, but the truth is Jesus wants to set up residence. If you're in Christ, he wants to set up residence right in your heart. And he wants to start doing some renovating. And he wants to know that it, it, you know, when you first let Jesus into your heart, and then now 10, 15 months, 10, 15 years later, he wants to start seeing some progress. 
Can I probe and just say, hey, is Jesus welcome into every single home in your heart? Or is the laundry room kind of closed off, lock and key, throw it in the river? Is Jesus able to have access into your heart? Is Jesus able to set up shop in your heart and begin to dwell, as Paul's telling us, begin to dwell in your heart? Oh, man. Paul prays that Christ will renovate our heart and make it a place that reflects Christ's will. He prays that he will renovate our hearts and it will reflect Christ's will. That's what he's talking about here. Another one on your message notes. I want you to write, I want you to write planted. I want you to write planted. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Come on, set up shot. Jesus, you do your work in my heart. As Christians, that's what we need to be saying. You do you in my heart, please. And all those rooms that you want to dwell in, I pray that you would start to do it. And as you're doing it, the phrase planted. So that Christ, you being rooted and grounded in love. Interesting phrases here for, uh, for rooted and planted, for planted, sorry. Spurgeon says this, he says, two expressions are used rooted like a living tree which lays hold upon the soil, twists itself around the rocks and cannot be upturned, grounded like a building which has been settled as a whole and will never show any cracks or flaws in the future through failures in the foundation. Rooted plus grounded. Colossians 2, 7 says this. It says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. John 14, 23. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Are you catching that phrasing of making our home of Jesus wanting to dwell in our hearts Paul's writing this. Maybe someone is kind of writing it as Paul is shackled to someone in a, a prison. He's under house arrest. Can you imagine him writing those words? Saying, hey, no, 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 no. Uh, re redo it, redo it. I want to say something different. I want to, say, I want to say rooted and grounded. Rooted is an agricultural meta metaphor. Ground is an architectural metaphor. But love must be the soil in which our life is rooted. Love must be the foundation upon which our life is is built. And Paul desires for us to grasp two phrases, two phrases, that Christ lives in you. If you are in Christ, Christ lives in you. And something you may need to be reminded about today, believers and Christian, is that Christ loves you. <laughs> no matter what you did, no matter your past, the good shepherd, our father, Christ loves you. Psalm 139 talks about this love and it says this in Psalm, it's 139.7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely 
The darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. Oh my goodness. Paul's saying, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. God's love is, is wide enough to include every person. God's love is long enough to last through all eternity. God's love is deep enough to reach the worst sinner. God's love is high enough to take us to the heavens. This is the kind of love that Paul is wanting us to understand that whatever you may think or imagine, it's even bigger than that. And then we come ready for the smackdown. The smackdown is the final phrase, and I'm telling you, Paul brings it home. You can kind of sense as he's writing this a crescendo, a cymbal's being played louder as he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, if we're in Christ. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Man. So in response, the NLT, I'm reading from the ESV, says this, infinitely more. The NIV says immeasurably more. The message, which I love, says God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. God is able to do immeasurably more. I'm going to ask that Anthony come up and begin to play behind us. And there's a few phrases, 2 Timothy 1.12. For this reason I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to Guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape. Romans 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you getting it? Are you catching it? Are you catching Paul's words? Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we think, we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I'm not trying to cut short the end, but you can imagine Paul slamming it down and saying, all right, I got a few more, I got a few more sentences. Catch this. Because all that stuff we've talked about being rooted and planted and grounded and all that stuff, therefore, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And I'm here to tell you, it's time to walk. 
It's time to move, church. It's time to receive and know that hmm, it may not be perfect, but at the end of the day, he gets the glory. At the end of the day, we exist today for his glory. We're here for him. This is the kind of God we're talking about. Jeremiah says, uh, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard? There's the evangelist. His name was Gypsy Smith. And uh, he was asked the secret of spiritual revival. He's asked, hey, Mr. Smith, what's the revival? The, The secret to inner spiritual revival. He said, go home, take a piece of chalk, Draw a circle around yourself, then pray, oh Lord, revive everything inside that circle. Everything. And today you may have some work you need to do before the Lord. And men and women, you may, like Paul does, you may begin to work on your posture of surrender and your posture of saying, God, man, my plans are good, but ultimately I want your plans. And I like my safety and comfort here, but ultimately, You may challenge me there, but I'm okay and I'm willing because my heart is opened and my heart is surrendered. And Paul is telling us, oh man, Jesus wants to set up shop in your heart. And Christians, don't please, please don't walk out of these, these doors and go back home and just say, hey, he can have access to my living room. He can have access to the areas that are all cleaned up and nice, but he can't have access to the garage. He can't have access to that baggage. He can't have access to that area that I'm really, really struggling with. That's where the Lord wants to show up today. That's what he does best. (laughs) That's what he does best. So today, like Paul, I urge you, I prompt you, I encourage you, let this word speak, and I encourage you to walk in a way that reflects the Father's call on your life. Start walking. Start walking and see how God shows up. Hey, we're gonna continue. I wanna keep taking steps. So pull out your Connect card. You saw it in an envelope. And I wanna take a few steps together. And, if, and maybe today um, you heard something that was brand new. You heard something that doesn't make sense fully, but you know your heart isn't open to the full work of Christ Jesus. And if you wanna accept in your heart and believe that he is Lord and can have access and confirm and say, God, you are now the center. Fill next step A. So literally you mark it. Put your information down clearly and we're gonna be in response to you tomorrow about that decision. Next step B is on December 8th, coming up, we have baptisms. So if you're a believer and you wanna say, hey, I wanna make this thing public. I want all my fellow friends and family and believers to see this. This is a moment for you. The next one is on December 8th. And step C, you saw this card, you were handed it. I, I will use this prayer card as a guide this week. This is just a guide. This isn't a do this and everything's cool. Everything's great with your life, but use this as a tool. I'm gonna use this. If you do this, I'm gonna uh, write you a little note tomorrow encouraging you with this. Take it out each day. Pray it over you. Pray it over your family. Next step D is please send me the information or the link to sign up for Grow Classes. Next week, December 1, is Grow 1, Becoming a Member. My wife and I have done this course. I want to tell you without any hype, if you have not taken Grow, do it. Make plans. We're gonna have lunch for you. It's gonna be a few hours. You're gonna hear 
an awesome illustration of why we even exist as a church, but I want you there. I want you to sign up. And next step E, we do a local serve on the first Saturday. We want to be known as being a church, not just that's interested in our affairs here, but a, a church that serves in the community. So send me information about our local serve on December 9th at 9.30 a.m. Fill that out and we're gonna be in contact with you. And what we're gonna do next is we're gonna take tithes and offerings. So if you have a bucket, I'd ask you to come stand up and come to the front. We're gonna take offering that way. And I wanna share a few photos that, that, that give us an illustration of a God that can do immeasurably more in our hearts. There's a few photos that show just this past week on the campus that our church helped build, people coming from the church building to the right, gathering around the baptismal that this, that this church was able to build, this church was able to donate. And you see some immeasurably more things that happened because people started to trust. And people began to say, hey, ah, my plan is it's not working. My plan's not right. I want to get baptized and, 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 and be encouraged, church. Be encouraged that this is happening. Our relationship came from the Lord, but we believe that the bond that has happened is because of the generosity of this church. And I encourage and motivate and challenge you, be generous, be generous and see how God shows up. Would you bow your heads as we pray? for offering. God, we are so grateful and thankful that you are God, that you are King, that you are Lord. And we pray that our hearts would expand in love for you. We pray that our hearts would open up and that God, that you would have access to the innermost parts of our being. And God, we're grateful for Paul's words that said to us that you can do immeasurably more. Oh man, we just want to trust you more today. We don't want to leave here the same person want to be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And as the buckets begin to go around, there's something special that we have the opportunity to do as a church, and that's to take communion together. So if you're serving communion, I'd ask that you begin to come forward and you can start filling in your spaces. And the band's going to do a song, but why we celebrate and why we remember communion is pretty simple. Remember what happened at the cross. When Jesus died and he didn't stay on the cross, he didn't stay in the tomb, he was resurrected. But the grape juice represents the blood that was spilled. And there's a cracker and I encourage you if you're a believer and as you come to the front, you take that cracker, you dip it into the grape juice and you would remember all that Christ has done for you. It's special. So I encourage and ask you right now, church, would you go ahead and stand? The band's going to continue to worship. I encourage you right now to come to the front. Let's take communion together.